For over 28 years, Aflac has been a champion, donating over $168 million to fight pediatric cancer and blood disorders, including sickle cell disease. This December, Aflac proudly joins 97.1 Wash FM and Children's National Hospital for the annual Wash for Kids Radiothon. Mark your calendars for December 14th and 15th for a heartwarming 14-hour live broadcast where you can join Aflac in their efforts to support the miracle work happening at Children's National. Save the date, tune in, and be a part of something extraordinary with Aflac. I'm Christopher Sabat, voice of Alex Louis Armstrong, the strong-arm alchemist. And you're listening to The Geek Show, which has been passed down the Armstrong line for a generation or two. Hi everyone and welcome to the Geek Show on 104.5. What up? How are you doing? How's everyone doing? Yeah, I'm good. Tired. Tired. Dave looks. Dave looks honestly like he's about to die. <laughs> he looks more tired than I am, and I've <laughs> just served hundreds and hundreds of people. You've just served. Oh yeah, it was really busy in your store today, wasn't oh, it? Oh god, it was horrendous. How come? Any reason? Oh, reindeers. What? Reindeers. the reindeer parade today. Oh, right. Children and what? parents what? everywhere. What Don't get me wrong, mean? it's good for business, but uh, it's not going to my back pocket, so that's no point. This is true. Yeah. You guys didn't know about the reindeer parade? No. I'd seen the things about the Coke, uh, Coke fans were coming and stuff. Oh, no. I still haven't seen the Coke can advert, so it's not even Christmas yet. It's already December. Did not even anyone hear yet. about Black Friday at Asda? Yes. Oh, how bad was that? That was, uh, yeah. Arrested, people getting attacked and beaten and stolen for stuff. Why? It's it, just Asda. It's run by, uh, you know, it's owned by the company that do mall yeah, in America. Yeah, I so know, but like... They're into Black Friday big time. I know, but it's, yeah. still just, it's still just an Asda. They're cheap anyway. Yeah, true. Like, who needs a 50 pence loaf of bread knocked down to five pence? Yeah, nobody. I do. No. I do. I need one. Nobody needs bread that badly. <laughs> I do. I like bread. I like bread too, but I know I'm on a budget, but still... Yeah. Oh, my girlfriend's got the next sales to look forward to because that's where she's working at the minute. Ooh. You know the ones where they start at like six o'clock in the morning and have queues of 200 people at least. Grim. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be scary. Right. Um, on today's show, Nat wrote it. Hey. I, she I, did a thing. I, I wrote it based uh, on my dissertation so you can tell it's going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like like the silence in the room should tell you that. Brace for impact. Uh. <laughs> yes. Uh, so what are we talking about today, Nat? Utopias and dystopias. Fantastic. At least it's not feminism. Yes. Uh. No, we've done we've done uh, we've done a few shows on that, and yeah, we won't go there again. Um. If it might be interesting with a woman, 
you know, present. Yeah, but you I know, think it, the passion stayed the past. Yeah, the, I, I, I just kind of you know, down in South Bank we have a women's centre, right, where men aren't allowed to go. And that's it, ridiculous. It, no. That's that's what I'm saying. It, it just kind of grates, it grinds my gears that I don't have a man's centre that I can go to where I can do things like you know use power tools and I'm, <laughs> I'm not I'm not of the and I'm, do manly things. And I'm going to have to re- reiterate this again. I'm not of the school of feminism, which is women's rights, women women need to be like 200 years of being better than men. I'm of the feminism, which means everybody should be bloody equal. Everybody should be the same. Or, like, everybody should just have the same just, rights. Everyone should just chill. Yeah, <laughs> just chill out. Just, just be cool, man, be cool. Yes. <laughs> right, um, we've got some news today, as we always do. Um, first up, on the back of Letterbox, Nintendo getting rid of Letterbox. Microsoft have started banning people for what are they banning people for now? Nudity, swearing. No, no, that was Twitch. <laughs> that was Twitch. And uh, are they doing like sexy things on Skype? Because no. they can do Skype on the. Oh Xbox yeah, but one. the. Microsoft have swore blind that they're not monitoring what people are doing on oh, Skype, which, oh. which I believe. Um, we no, promise not to do this thing that we will do. Uh, this is the, you know, the uh, insanity that is you may now record segments of your gameplay and share them because so many people Press the want share to do button. that. Uh, share instead of select. Um, uh, yeah, that's uh, now if you swear on those videos, you can be banned. Essentially, yeah. and freedom of speech. No. Well, you know they 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 they're doing it for the same. You know it, it's the Rosie O'Donnell thing again. You know, speaking as a mother. Mm. You know what? Uh, it's all about protect the children. But I'm sorry, it's the children who are swearing. I I have been harassed by twelve year olds. And to be honest, Why bad I words. I don't consider them a bad words. It's just a word. It's just the intentions that are well, behind it. That uh, you know, if it they can sit up till if they can, if their parents are allowing them to sit up past the watershed, they're going to be exposed to these bad words in the first place. So you know, and they hear it from their parents most of the time, as it is, because I know very few parents who actually monitor how they speak in front of their kids. I got extensively punished in about year six because um, I used a word that rhymes with hunt. Not knowing what it meant well, in a I, poem. Even I consider that one quite. Uh, it's one of my favourites. Yeah, no I, saying it, you. I love it. <laughs> I didn't know what it meant. I'd never encountered it before. Um, I'd come across it not knowing it, and um, yeah, uh, I I just got really punished. So if you don't contextualise these words, and I don't you see don't how expose... you can contextualise that particular word. Well, actually, it was a medical word until its meaning was pejorated. So. I don't know where you're coming from. I don't from. know if you saw um, Charlie, Brooker's, Charlie Brooker's How Video Games Saved the World this weekend. Uh, I missed that one. But some of the film he got of uh, COD players, yeah. like yeah. 12-year-olds screaming down a mic about the things they'll do to your mothers. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, what? It's just... Yeah. yeah. Ha- it's a, such a horrible fan base for that. But the thing is, on the back of that, Twitch have also banned Playroom, PS4's Playroom yeah. videos, because of all the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, casual nudity, I yeah. suppose you call it. I think there's a difference between swearing in anger at a video. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, like John Tron style. And or, exposing yourself in public. Yeah, I think <laughs> like, there's, there's a difference between AVGN and, like, 
Yeah. Fapping. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we won't go there. Anyway, let's leave that one there. If, uh, stop with the <laughs> sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure you haven't been feeding him sugar? That was the sound effect. I, I haven't even had any sugar today, which is, you know, I kept bad. the vanilla cork away from him. <laughs> but when you were talking about Hunt, I'd like the followers to write me a poem all about the word. <laughs> Oh God, no! We're not reading those out on on air, okay? Oh no, I want—I just want them to post them to me. I want to see people get crazy. I'd like to get Alan Rickman to read them out. Oh God! <laughs> oh, oh, please! Someone who can do a good impression of Alan oh Derek Rickman. Jacobi, he'd be pretty good at it as well. Mm, yeah. I read out that poem about Stegosauruses in the SU, and then got a, a girl came up to me in the toilets afterwards and applauded me. That was really weird. Yeah, that was brilliant. <laughs> was she applauding the poem or the my reading you... of the poem? She was oh, like, right. "Oh my god, that was so dramatic. It was, was so cool." I was oh, like, I was, I was "Okay, for context, yeah. for context, when I'm drinking, I make bizarre demands." There, there was a friend of ours that, for some reason, had a little desk out and was writing poems. I demanded he wrote me a poem about a Stegosaurus. He did. I wrote it. I read it out in the most dramatic voice. <laughs> Can you do an Alec Rickman voice? Because I can't. This is Alan Rickman <laughs> calling Alan Rickman to remind him to remove the pork chops from the refrigerator <laughs> so okay. that they defrost properly. That was the right. longest and most excruciatingly bad impression I've heard in quite a while. <laughs> I'm a girl. <laughs> Girls talk Alan, Alan Rickman. Rickman. <laughs> We were once playing Worms, and Danny named all of his teams after Allens, and he just had Rickman, Shearer, and then we were just calling them Rickman! Get them, Rickman! Okay, okay, <laughs> moving on. So right. who's favourite character that Alan Rickman has played? <laughs> Less of that. <laughs> Maybe the time when he was in Die Hard and he played a Russian. <laughs> I like the Sheriff of Nottingham. Oh. I'm gonna cut your heart out with a spoon. This is what happens Why when other Rob isn't here to keep us on task. <laughs> right. Anyway, moving on. Uh, the UK government is considering online voting for all of us to get us out of our voting apathy, but they're thinking about using Facebook for it. Our our voting. So whoever comes from who whoever rules the, <laughs> whoever rules the country gets the most likes on Facebook. Yeah. Is that how it's going to work? That, that's basically yeah. So they both post a selfie and then count the likes. I think at the moment, isn't it a poppy that's like you know in a like on fire or something? A poppy, <laughs> a poppy on what? fire. Yeah. A poppy isn't that to represent World War Two for the? Yeah, I think like, that isn't like that. Like currently, Nigel Farage's like photo or something on Facebook. I don't know. Yeah, he's, he's, what's the Nigel Farage? Nigel Farage. Oh God, none of you know. I know, can, I know. It rhymes with fromage, that's cheese. Fromage. Yeah, he rhymes looks like a barrage. dodgy... He, Sounds like a really delicious yogurt. He's, he's, <laughs> he's essentially a dodgy car salesman. <laughs> he's the dodgy car salesman of, of uh, Westminster. That right. explains a lot. Yeah, anyway, um, UK government wants all of us to get voting by making it online. I don't think it's going to work. Vote no. Russell Brand. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that would happen, though. That's essentially... Yeah. I reckon it'd be funny having an somebody extra would just be like, it'd be like it'd be like somebody just put up like oh uh, we have 150 unboxed PS4s for free like this and you might get one of them and then they'd be Prime Minister by accident <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that would happen that would um, right moving on uh, game pulled after release now 
I actually contacted 505 about this earlier this year because I re- really wanted to review Ash's Cricket 2013. Oh, it's cricket. Lost my interest. Ah, no, no, no. Oh, You'll no. get your interest back you in will a second. Want, you Trust will me. want this game. Right. <laughs> it's become one of the most sought-after games uh, of this year. In fact, of maybe the last decade. Um, more than Sukadan? Uh, far more. I, the game was pulled literally days after it was released. They've stopped selling it pretty much everywhere. And 505 have apologised to the Australian Cricket Board and the British Cricket Board for how bad the game is. It was basically the comedy game of the year, which is why everyone wants it. So is it better than Ride to Hell in that respect? So what exactly happened? Well, they outsourced the development to to an Aussie Aussie (laughs) company called Trickstar Games. And Trickstar are supposed to have a good rep when it comes to cricket games. But for some reason, none of that reputation was applied to Ashes Cricket 2013. You have, basically, uh, you have possibly... It's not even a cricket game. It's Im- it's virtually impossible <laughs> to play. You have players that run around bumping into each other and doing all sorts of weird stuff. Well, I think the Australians are one of the few countries in the world that know the rules to cricket. Yeah, I guess... I'm Asian ha- if the Americans made cricket. it, then it could be just people Maybe running around. Maybe sponsored by Foster's. And, you know... Apparently, real Australians don't drink Fosters. What? How dare you? They all love the microbrews. Yeah. Hmm. Stubbies. Fosters Fosters is beautiful. Fosters is brewed in this country for us exclusively. Yeah, it's dingo urine. It's horrible. (laughs) Delicious. (laughs) Anyway, um... Not drank in Australia. Yep. Really? Wow. That's really weird. It's like Crocodile Dundee. Didn't didn't really sit well with the Aussies, but everyone else seemed to like it. Loved Crocodile Dundee one and two. What about three? There's a three. three. <laughs> yes, there is. <laughs> Call out a knife. <laughs> I've got something to download tonight. I mean, uh, buy. <laughs> <laughs> I have something to legitimately buy. I wonder if Netflix has Crocodile Dundee. Let's three. check out Amazon tonight. Yes. Uh, right. Anyway, uh, according to Five Hundred Five, the game was fraught with challenges almost from the outset. Uh, the chosen developer, even with their many years of cricket game development experience, was unable to overcome the unexpected challenges that the chosen game engine threw up, even with multiple extensions to the development schedule. The game was supposed to be out in September. It came out, uh, I think it was about a week ago, and within days, off the shelves. Only a few people bought it. And they've well, been yeah, offered refunds. Cricket. They've been offered refunds, but if they put their games on eBay, they're, they're selling like hotcakes. I, I legitimately want one. I I have never wanted a game. How much does a hotcake go for these days? It depends on whether you're at an anime convention or not, because if you are at an anime convention, you can you know people pay for them through the nose. And 50 pence is my offer. It It's just so broken, it's beautiful. Yep. It's like art. It I is. I want a cake. <laughs> right, moving on. Um, <coughs> drone smugglers got caught, right? A bunch of clever uh, clever buffs decided to get themselves a quad rotor and smuggle tobacco into a prison in America, right? Um, so Calhoun one of them remote control helicopters. Yeah, Calhoun State, Pr- State Prison in South Georgia. One of the quad rotors, you know, the drones, right? Yeah. They were using a drone to basically, like Nat put it earlier on, like Call of Duty when they drop the supplies, right? Exactly like that. A bunch of them sitting in a car, uh, sitting in a car with a car full of tobacco and the drone and a controller, um, fly, the drone flew over the wall, dropped the tobacco. The guards saw it and decided to investigate and caught the guys red-handed making tobacco drops because 
cigarettes in prison are basically yeah, the currency. Yeah, currency, yeah. So whoever's got the most cigarettes is basi- can basically be a kingpin. Well, it's one of the form of currencies. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> the most acceptable form. We'll, oh, we'll leave it like that. It's but, the yeah. one that looks like it's got tiny blades. Yes, <laughs> it is. It, that's what they used, Dave. Oh, cool, it's like an octopus a helicopter. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, clever criminals uh, adapting to modern technology. Moving on, a Japanese company, right? Now, what's the worst thing that you can do to planet Earth? Destroy it. Oh, wait, we're already doing that to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what's happening there. I, I was thinking, what, 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 what? There's a random hand. We really need to press <laughs> enter. <laughs> Right. Um, anyway, a uh, Japanese company wants to build a power station on the moon. Um, Has the anyone seen that episode of South Park where they needed to drill on the moon? Yeah, and then the VP one. Yeah. What about the time where they sent the killer whale on the moon? Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, none of these things no, ended well. It's regardless, power idea. station on the moon. Yes. Uh, is this to power all the moon things? No, no, this is this is to... Uh, what they want to do, they want to build, like, huge banks of solar panels on the moon in, like, a ring around the moon, um, or half ring around the moon, and they want to channel all that energy into a 20-kilowatt microwave beam... And then destroy fire it at Earth. several cities. No, fire it at Earth so the, re- uh, so the uh, receptors can get it on Earth and it can basically transfer electricity from the moon... To power Earth. They could just oh, send batteries back. You clever Japanese. You, you're telling us it's a power station and you're building a Death Star. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> a solar-powered Death Star. <laughs> to be honest, I ain't going to buy now until they start selling mechs. I want a robotized suit. Oh, my own Gundam. They have something similar to that already. Really? How much? Uh, I mean, there's only one, as far as I know, but it does move around. It does. You can drive it around, and it does fire BB pellets. It's it's a terrible idea. Sounds beautiful. It, Have you guys not seen it? It's I'll find it. It's just going to be like cooking parts of the earth. Well, yeah. uh, I mean, it's going it to be better off than Brian going Griffin. out to get a tan. Don't be don't be bringing Brian Griffin into this for no reason. He got hit by a no 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 spoiler no Can't. no. We already know Brian is. Why would like you are just all kinds of no topic? <laughs> and he got replaced <laughs> with an Italian dog, also voiced by that dude from The Sopranos. I don't know. <laughs> I, knew, so, I knew it was called Vinny and I just way? guessed the rest because yeah. he's yeah. like a super nice Italian guy he's like no but I was hoping it was to be vo- voiced no. by Joe Pesci yeah anyway um, outer space law is notoriously difficult to apply in practice but uh, th- it may scupper up their pl- Shimizu Corporation's plans to build their Death Star who owns the moon uh, yeah, who's going to stop them the, the space Nobody police actually owns the moon well, their flags on it, so no, they don't. Uh, just we call this. Yeah, this is not an Eddie Izzard sketch. Just because you have a flag doesn't mean you own a country. We we'll tell that to America. <laughs> well, which and Chris Columbus <laughs> and several other characters and the British Empire. Which country has flag. the highest yep. point? Because then technically they're the co- closest country to it. So then they the would get is, claimed. The moon is like Antarctica. It, nobody owns it, but everybody owns it. No, because like, technically we have a piece of Antarctica because we have the Falklands, which is why Argentina get annoyed at us. But that, that's what I mean. Th- no, no, like not everybody Ant- owns it. The countries that are closest to it own it. That's no. why we get to like own a bit of it. No, uh, Antarctica is owned by a national agreement by all the countries. The UN dictates policy for Antarctica. 
we have a bit of it. There's no space, the UN. I'm declaring I own the moon. Yeah, uh, there are actually people who own parts of the moon. Oh, individuals. That's, oh that's silly. Them little certificates that say yeah. you own a metre of the moon. No. Rock Believe it or not. you for half your moon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, when, uh, do it. <laughs> when the time comes, those might actually be legally... Oh, you own half the, the moon, moon now. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Seriously, Dave, when the time comes, there's a good chance that those will actually be legally binding. Mm. So we're legally no, binded to each other and half the moon? the moon from? Well, nobody owns it. That's why it's allowed to be sold. Which of us owns to the dark side? From who? <laughs> from who? Because there's no law applying to it. Oh, it doesn't right. actually. Because no. like, the dark who side is never facing the Nobody earth. owns Rock the moon. That's so the owns the dark side. <laughs> hey? Someone must have... Seriously. Someone's profited. Uh, basically, what they've said... What the, oh, the, line is, the, line, the line is very simple. Because there's no law that actually applies to the moon because no one can live there yet, right? There's no law actually covering property sales on the moon, which means so that somebody could just say, right, I'm going to sell you this amount of the moon over here, right? You buy it, pay for it. You get your contract signed and sealed. And then, you know, when people eventually go and do live on the moon... Your contract could very well be legally binding because it was made prior to any laws being formed. That is possibly one of the stupidest things Actually, it's not. I have ever heard. But that's how the law works. Regardless, we've so just made... Stands. Eventually, we've yep. got a whole Martian, Nade Martian Nadesco... Martian success in Nadesco? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that should happen. Not anyway, it, it's going to be the old west, but on the moon again, isn't yeah. it? Well, it's actually quite um, useful to have the moon because it's much harder to launch things from Earth than it is from the moon because obviously the moon doesn't have the same gravitational pull. So the amount of energy that it takes to launch a, launch a rocket from Earth is much higher than it would be from the moon. Mm -hmm. I always considered it was useful to have the moon w for reasons like tides. And, and don't forget that moon <laughs> cheese. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm and don't forget the crackers from it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it's just useful to have the moon because it's the damn moon. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so um, the tides. Yes. WTF award number one. Uh, Sony are developing smart wigs. They can do everything a normal wig can do, but they also have Bluetooth and various other things. To do what? <laughs> look over your head if you're bald. <laughs> what does the Bluetooth? Well, we had this guy who it's used called, to spray his head. Uh, this is a brainwave reading. GPS-enabled, vibrating wig. I don't See, want my wig to vibrate. <laughs> Google Glass makes sense. Yes. But Bluetooth wigs, I don't understand. <laughs> well, vibrating I'm sure ones. that guy would appreciate it. Yeah, don't forget, these are vibrating wigs. I don't know why they vibrate. Nobody seems to be able to explain why they're making vibrating Swirl. wigs. Wait, I'll, I'll, just, I'll send you a shiatsu massage. Ooh. Yes. No, I've received. no, the concept does not... No. The That's company's uh, I know. stupid. <laughs> the company's filed a patent in the US and Europe for a wig that is adapted to cover at least a part of a head of a user, okay. containing at least one sensor and a processor that links up with a second computing device. The whole thing will be arranged in the Does wig and at least people? partly covered by the wig in order to visually, uh, be visually hidden during use. Well done. Use for what? Nobody seems to know. What batteries does it run off? Nobody Who cares? It doesn't do anything. <laughs> it doesn't require batteries because it doesn't do anything. It could if it did do things. Like, imagine if you had prehensile hair that could pick things up. No, no, this is the best That'd bit, be though. That'd be amazing. <laughs> uh, the, the oh, my gosh. This is the best bit, right? 
in the supporting documents yeah. for their patents, Sony have said um, that the wig could be worn in addition to natural hair. Well, yeah, but but wear a wig cap first to keep it down. Cosplay tips. <laughs> um, I'm just... I, I'm at a loss as to what this wig will do. Nobody seems to know. Maybe it's like a brain slug. <laughs> it maybe it'll be. start taking over your thoughts gradually. Maybe like, yeah, maybe they've already made it and it's trying to erase itself from the history books by like just confusing people as to what its real purpose is. Possibly. Very possibly. Right. Um, moving on very quickly. 3D queuing, uh, second WTF award. Right, now, um, our visual art, interactive artist, sorry, Rajiv Basu, has teamed up with Denver-based musician called Alex Anderson, or Man Covers is also known. Um, he's made a video game uh, to, their, uh, to their song Friends Listen, and the video game is called Waiting in Line 3D. It looks a lot like Doom, but the whole point is you, the player, are standing in line, and you have to punch yourself in the face to stay awake while you're queuing. So Excellent. being British... So it's exactly. a bit like the waiting game. It like, looks a lot like Doom. There's this <laughs> website that's called the waiting game, and you go on it, and it goes, well done, you are now in the waiting game, and all you do is wait. Exactly. It sounds a bit like, I'm trying to remember the show I saw Virtual Stuck Behind a Bus on. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, <laughs> sounds a bit like that. But yeah, it's... it's that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I... There's, a, there's an actual legitimately uh, there's a legitimate indie game out at the minute called Papers Please, yeah. where you pay uh, you pay players a border guard checking people's passports and things. Wow. Yeah. But apparently, actually, really good. Well, you have like quarters, and you start getting more and more corrupt, <laughs> and people beg you to let them through, and like obviously forge passports and things like that. So you've got to make like decisions, and so you've got to make them give it up to get in. You've got to play the system. And, oh, yeah. yeah, you play that you system. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Oh, this game sounds really fun. Papers, please, was that? Yeah. I think I'm going to have to have a look at that. So does someone roll? Yeah, well, you sort of, it's a border guard to a fictional country. Yeah. And the other people come from other fictional countries, but there's like, apparently it's very poignant at times. Okay. But having not played it, I can only tell you other people's accounts. Alright, okay. I can go with that. Hello, I am Vitalia Alexius from Romantically Apocalyptic Webcomic and I'm here for the Geek Show. Today we're talking about utopias and dystopias. Yes, uh, we'll let you lead on this then, Nat. <laughs> um, shall I just... Uh, depictions <laughs> of the future often fall into two main categories, utopia or dystopia. But the latter seems to be far more popular. Are we just losing faith or getting bored of the picture-perfect future? Um, does anyone, want to, uh, anyone else want to go before me? Well, what do you count as a utopia if you're saying that, like, um, we've got less of them? Utopias are generally, like, especially in TV and movies, the ones we th I think of, especially, are the ones, like, in Star Trek. Like, Well, yeah, Star Trek's pretty utopian in that, like, it's a very... Safe-ish kind very of unit, civilized first. society, and people can go off and adventure and. Uh, but it's, it's also plow the way through space, women. Yeah. <sighs> Sorry, what was that, Chris? Plow the way through space, women. Oh God. Uh, but it's also, if you look at its economy, I mean, it's Captain a gift. Kirk. 
it's a gift economy, which means like basically people who do make money and exist on credits are doing so not because they have to, but because they want to. They are artisans essentially. Yeah, um, and no jobs. one wants for anything because yeah. like food is just generated. Yeah, there's no poverty. Made out of thin air. Um, <laughs> and it's it's also stuff like there's like no sort of like. Um, there's no education poverty. So people like can that. achieve self actualization and realise their dreams. Yeah. Can I make a point? Um, for me, the only way to achieve a true utopia is to get rid of all politicians. Uh. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it is the only way well, because no, whenever you get politicians, wherever you get politicians, you obviously uh, sow the seeds for uh, for things to change. I mean, it, it, it's one of the things that you saw in Star Trek. We'll use Star Trek as the example because that's what we... No, because they had a democratic system. They had a democratic system, but whenever you get politicians involved with stuff, you get other forms, uh, uh, the other nastiness that comes with what we call call democracy. Well, I don't think... Because I, I think... As, as, as Section an 31 in, was a prime example. Section 31 was a later addition to the Star Trek series through... The lack of conflict brought, brought by Deep Space Nine because Deep Space Nine was a failed series copied off of um, Babylon, uh, 5. Babylon yeah. 5, which was a far superior series that brought conflict in itself. Deep Space Nine wasn't. Yeah. Um, Section 31 was an addition that was not necessary to the whole thing. It would have remained a utopian society had they not tried to corrupt it because they couldn't come up with plot lines. Okay, well, let's look at Babylon 5 then since... Uh... That's a dystopia. Yeah. But the thing is, it tried to be a utopia until the politicians got involved, which was the whole point of Babylon 5. Yes. You know, that, were, that was basically supposed to be the saving grace. It was supposed to be the place where but all of these things could be resolved that peacefully. That lauded the military as the solution to the problem of the politicians through Sheridan becoming a politician, i.e. being the president at yeah. the end of his run of being a a, a self-actualized so, general. Uh, the the interesting thing is, you know, when you look at say the Star Trek series, have you guys watched Enterprise? Yes. Right. I like the way Enterprise ended with the formation of the Federation after all the after all the battles and all uh, you know and the little wars and the big wars and everything like that. And you know, I think one of the main episodes that really stuck in my mind was uh, you know I've forgotten the names. You know the blue people with the little kind of. Oh, things, right? yeah. You the had Andorians? The Andorians and you had... Namics. the uh, n- No. No, no, <laughs> They're not green, yeah. nor the do Andor- they spit eggs. <laughs> you had the Andorians... Are you a Yoshi? Yeah. You had the Andorians and then you had the other guys who look a bit like uh, pigs on the same ship. They were both on the Enterprise and they thought each other were trying to kill each- kill them, but it was actually the Romulans, an outside, an outside force interfering. Yeah, and I like the whole setting on that ship. That's one of my favorite episodes because it had a look. It, you know, it took the action, but it also took the politics, and it kind of said, "Well, look, there is a way out of this. You've just got to talk to each other first. You know, and learn to trust each other." I think we color everything, especially about politicians. We color everything through our own through our own eyes. Um, I think democracy in Star Trek was possibly seen because it's an American series and, and when it, it, it bases its roots <laughs> in the sixties when, you know, democracy was lauded yeah. as the only way forward, as America has always like, you know, strived to make it seem. Um so I think as an idealised version of a utopia, 
it works and Deep Space Nine and everything that came afterwards to corrupt that utopia I view as a betrayal of what Rodden just because he was dead doesn't mean you can corrupt what his view was yeah it does he won't argue yeah no but it doesn't mean you (laughs) should I know I know the thing is I actually like Andromeda right I like Andromeda except for like the uh, uh, series 4 which was just kind of all wibbly stuff somebody was obviously smoking something but the first couple of seasons of Andromeda where you had Dylan Hunt frozen in time for 300 years the uh, uh, you know the Commonwealth has gone the universe is basically anarchy and he's trying to bring civilization back I like that storyline because it did have action, but it also involved a lot of, you know, him regaining the trust of people who thought that the High Guard had betrayed them, you know, 300 years ago. And, all you know, there was all that stuff. There was all the old, you know, the old blood type thing, you know, uh, and all these ven- all this vengeance and stuff like that. I like the idea of that in the formation of it. I like the look, looking at the formation of it. It's what comes afterwards, because utopias, uh, utopias always fail. They always fail because I I agree they always fail. Well, is it a case of like because of our own limitations? Is it a case of like the Matrix that you know we tried to create a perfect setting for you, but, <laughs> but you rebelled you, against rejected it? it. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm. And I think that's that's through our own limitations of the moment that we just don't seem to think ourselves better. We we always say the worst in ourselves. We always see that we we will never be better than what we are. I, I don't know unless you're us. I, I honestly don't don't know if it's that there is a there is an element of that. I'll well, admit. there's also I would say like you know the first world problems. Yeah, yeah. In that, no matter how good we have it, we'll find little things to moan about. Yeah, yeah. use water to w- clean your toilets. Yes, you don't drink it. <gasps> what was you it? Eat, uh, even uh, the uh, vegetables. It was, yeah, it was. Uh, you choose to leave them sometimes. Yes. What's wrong with you? It was a fantastic one. It was oh, like it's uh, good to be back. It was like uh, oh yeah, there's children in Africa watching the you know watching these uh, you know adverts for kids in like Liverpool who don't have Xboxes and stuff like that and going oh no we must give them like a goat so they can buy an Xbox. Yeah, I I, I understand that and it, it's it is a, it's it's a valid point that like, you know we do sort of always try to find the bad in a situation do you know the other reason why we can never have a utopia Degrading. is because everywhere in the world no matter where you go we always operate on the class system we do not have anything like a true democracy or a meritocracy I mean you look at America you look at this country we're supposed to be the free world so why is it that uh, all of our politicians are you know uh, privately educated all and most of them are lawyers. The majority and most of them, of them are lawyers. And no, most of them have qualified with PPE, actually. So most of them are lawyers. Now, um, it was one time most of them had qualified. Uh, but that's quite a lot of... Um, if you go to university to study, uh, for example, law or history, yeah. one of the career paths out of that is poli- politics. politics. I'm not saying that... But that doesn't mean that all lawyers become politicians. I'm not saying that all lawyers become politicians, but it's more likely if you've studied law. Ooh, my girlfriend might become a politist. A politist? A what? A politician. <laughs> um, anyway. I've invented a new word. It's, uh, I think we're just blaming, we're blaming political systems that we currently have for why we can't portray in our media something that is a valid system or a valid system of expression for something. Like, Thomas More's utopia wasn't a true utopia in the yeah. sense of the word. 
but he coined a phrase for which just means nowhere or anywhere. Yeah. But he coined a phrase, and it just meant why can't we better ourselves? Why can't we see better of ourselves? But instead of doing that, all we're doing is portraying something that is better than ourselves and then tearing it down. Well, I, I guess actually, that is usually yeah. like the first act in a movie will show the the current system, uh, the guy that doesn't quite like the current system. And the rest of the movie will be taking it down. Yeah. Um, it's, if, if, if they do show a utopia, they show it as a police... If they show it as, as something perfect, then it's always got a crushed underclass. Or mm-hmm. it's always got something wrong with it that twists it into a dystopia. But that's what I mean, right? Because at the end of the day, m- the, most of the people who tell these stories, right, they can only go... Ba- they, they mainly go based on what they know. You know, uh, I know many, many people who, uh, many, many writers who hit this wall called reality, you know, and they can't push past it. They immediately stop at a certain point, and that point is the things that they know or are are aware of. So, are we saying that a utopian story isn't believable and it isn't realistic? No, I'm saying if. Or are we saying that it's boring? No, I'm saying that if somebody actually did a true utopia, right, somewhere. That where everybody could be everything that they could possibly be. If somebody wrote a story about that, people wouldn't uh, people wouldn't buy into it because it's it's so very different but from. I would, par- I would partly say but that you might be this- right with it's boring in that, like for a story, you need some sort of conflict. Well, I disagree. I don't think you do need Star some sort Trek. of conflict. Star Trek. Oh, was but they have they have little conflicts. They but have they to have, resolve. They have conflicts with others. Mm-hmm. That weren't utopias, but I I think that and don't Star forget Trek, the conflicts with the engines. Star, yeah. There's always a conflict with the but engines. Star Trek was a utopia originally. Yeah. Yeah. The sixty Star Trek, Next Generation Star Trek, and to a degree, the ideals that Voyager lived by, yeah, were utopian. I agree. Which is again, like I said, the main reason I like Enterprise was because it was showing the foundation of that utopia. You know, how the Federation first started, that was the whole point of it. And that's why I like Babylon 5, because it shows the flip side of what could have happened if the Federation had caved into the xenophobia that was prevalent. Exactly. Uh, Unlike Deep Space Nine, which took, like, the entire history of that xenophobia and just went, oh, well, instead we're just going to make it a dystopia because we can. But (laughs) the the thing is, I didn't mind Deep Space Nine. Um... (laughs) Yeah, I know, you can give me that one. I didn't but mind it. Do you know why I didn't mind it? Because it was actually, somebody actually sat down and thought, right, all this other stuff has been done, and yes, we are clearly ripping off Babylon 5, but why don't we try and do something completely different with it? You know, why don't we try and do something completely out of the box? Why don't we go down? Why don't we have Space Jesus? Yeah, why don't we have Space Jesus? Because it, it, literally, somebody it sat there and thought just, that. It was just Babylon 5 repackaged in a Star Trek uniform, and not done as well, not written as well. That's my problem with it. I wouldn't have a problem with it if it was an original idea. Yeah. That's my that's my issue. I didn't have a problem... I didn't even have a problem it's with... It's got Worf in it. <laughs> I didn't even have... Yeah, I had Worf in it to try and save I'm sorry, it. it's got the Defiant. <laughs> I love the Defiant. I didn't even have a problem with um, their choice of uh, Captain... Is, is, is ben it... Cisco. Yeah, ben Sisko. Yeah, I was going to yeah. name you. I liked him. I liked him once he was bald and had a beard. <laughs> like... After he matured a bit into the role, yeah. that's what I enjoyed his acting. Yeah. But um, I think, and I enjoy uh, Kieran Reese and Odo 
I enjoy yeah. them as characters. And I like Gordo. I've always enjoyed Quark. I like the Doctor. Yeah, but Quark Julian was obviously uh, Quark was so obviously uh, a racist slur. Yes, he was. You know. <laughs> He was so bad. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, in fact, I had uh, an, uni- an un- uh, uninitiated friend who who was just like, "That is quite possibly one of the worst uh, things I have ever seen until, on television." I'm surprised it wasn't a special where Quark yeah. spe- celebrates like Space Hanukkah. Yeah. <laughs> until Jar Jar Binks came along. Oh yes, <laughs> but um, yes, yeah, sorry. I, I accept. I'd be picking that cotton. <laughs> I accept <laughs> that. Um, I accept that sometimes utopias aren't the mo- most interesting stories to tell. And corruption sort of creeps in there because it, it creates a conflict and that's what films and television is about. But that's what I'm saying, right? Utopias don't necessarily... Right, here's the thing. Utopias, we all agree that... Uto- you know, we've all said utopias are... They, you know, are de- uh, they're going to fail. But that's by our own thinking. That's based on what we... No, now, based on our knowledge of political systems, yep. our knowledge of stories... I don't think they are destined like to fail. But that's what I'm saying. We all said they're destined to fail. Everyone agreed. Um, but that's based on our own thinking right now. You know, who knows, in 100 years' time, you know, the world may have come maybe so completely different to what we, are, what we yeah. know now, you know, that it might be possible for, uto- for a true to utopia quote, to actually exist. To quote someone very famous, think of what you'll know tomorrow. Yes. If you were living in a utopia, would you know it? I I don't think you would. No. I honestly don't think you would, and I honestly don't think you'd care, which is the most important part. If you were living in a utopia, you would have a much more carefree life, so you wouldn't actually be bothered about the fact that you weren't uh, that you didn't know whether you were I living in a utopia. Is or there not. any like important movies or like dystopian? Yeah. Sort of. There's a lot of dystopian ones. There's yeah, loads there's of dystopian God, ones. there's so right. many. But uh, Tell you what, idiocracy. Very, very quick, pick of the geek then. Um, Top three utopias and dystopias. Um, I think Idiocracy is an important one because it wasn't well prob- publicised, but it was a really interesting look at yeah. um, like American sort of anti-intellectualism. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I'm going to have to go with uh, the obvious choice, Blade Runner. Oh, God, yeah, that's such a good film. Um, but I'm also going to throw in there, um, what was it, uh, Christian Bale movie... Um, you know the one where he's where he does that bullet, uh, that gun, uh, gun fu, whatever it is. Oh, um, equilibrium. Equilibrium. That one. Um, it's very Orwell, isn't it? With the uh, yeah, the like the way information's kept yeah. and emotions are repressed. Yeah, it it is. Um, if people have emotions, the secret police will come and beat them. Wow. Well, pretty it, much. Possibly incinerate them. Ooh. Yeah. Basically, put them in the incinerator. Um, um, Chris, you were going to say something. Martian success in the disco. Total what about movies? Movies? Yeah, we are in movies. Ah, I thought we were talking about anything that's... Total Recall. You could go with Martian Success in the Desco. I was also going to go with, you know, Gundam. Gundam has a really good phase of it as well. Gundam? Yeah, actually, it does. Mm-hmm. Total Recall. Total Recall. Is, and then Adventure Time. Is a, is a, is a, Seriously, we're not on anime. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, that's, that's not even dystopian. It's just post-apocalyptic. Who knows? We do. <laughs> I'm looking at that when I say that. Um, now, Total Recall, I'll agree with. Adventure I Time, I just do not agree no. with that. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. that that Candy Kingdom, it's a bit like mm-hmm. uh, a bit corrupt. I'd actually exactly. argue yeah. that it's more utopian than dystopian. Actually, yeah. oh, look, let's all now agree with Chris. No, no, no. <laughs> actually, interestingly, that, interestingly uh, it's interesting that you mention it because, um, what was it, uh, Wreck It Ralph? 
Mm. Right. You know what? the uh, you know you know the game Sugar Rush. Yeah. Right. That was a utopia until what's his face the, uh, the Turbo the, until uh, Turbo Tom whatever it is. The cat oh, spoilers, man. <laughs> Dude, it's been out a year. Yeah, I know. It's been out more than a year. It depends Turbo on where you are. Yeah, until Turbo Tom <laughs> took over, and then it became a dystopia. Yeah. And which is, which is banned. really weird, because people don't actually look at it like that. Yeah, because he controls like their memories and junk. Yeah, I exactly. like that kind of mess with the code. I thought it was really fun. Yeah. Don't mess with the code. Um... Well, I recently saw Unger Games, which is definitely a dis- yeah. dystopia. Yeah, Unger Games. Unger Games. Unger Games. <laughs> Unger Games. It's a northern version. <laughs> Where the people in the high districts uh, live with it's their fancy you, wigs and everything. It's when you start... People in it's high when, districts. It's when you start sort of, like, uh, sympathising with Caesar and it's like, but you're the bad guy! No! <laughs> No, um, no, no. When you go, when you enter the younger games, you have to wear a flat cap. Well, the people, even the women, the have people to wear in District caps. Twelve pretty much do wear <laughs> flat caps. Yeah. they're all miners. They are essentially. They all, they all work down pits. This is. They should have had Yorkshire accents. It would have made a better film. I'm like, hey, Katniss, you've been down pits. Sorry, was that Katniss or Capness? Don't matter. <laughs> oh Jesus. I'm so Yorkshire, it's painful. <laughs> Yorkshire remake of Hunger Games. Let's do it. Let's make this thing. <laughs> oh, kind of like Tintin. No, 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 because you know what would happen. It'd be like... Oh, T-Side Tintin? Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen it the Predator version Hunger as well? Uh. T-Side version of Predator. It'd oh. be Hunger Games, the Shepard's version. Someone get me a Palmer. Uh, anyway. Yeah. No, that's um, the Middlesbrough version of the Hunger Games. That's a good point. Um, right, yeah. Any more? Fahrenheit 451? Uh, I've never seen the film Logan's version. Run? Logan's Run's a good one. I've never seen Green. Logan's Run. I've seen, like, things of it. Like, I know that when you've got a crystal that flashes in your back of your hand, it's your time to die and you should... I was a bit surprised by Logan's Run. Not by... Was that not... the one where they get killed at a certain age, but it turns out the clones? Um... No. Like the young people and trying to get away is like it's quite an oldish movie. Yeah, it, 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 are they clones? I can't remember. They're not like, clones. I think they were, weren't the clones. No, no, they're not clones. They just basically uh, it's it's more to do with like uh, computer controlled uh, popula- computer population control. Yeah, uh, it's all about population. And then they control. get out and then they find out like yeah, the, the world is a lot bigger and you know the post the it was as though the apocalypse never happened. Yeah, you know, everything's fine. <laughs> um, but uh, what was it? The thing that I w- most surprised me it's about Logan's Run was Channel edge. Four putting it on at like two o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, well, once the film's got past a certain age, they don't like actually look at what's in it anymore. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I've seen Terminator Two during the day. Yeah, yeah. but the mm. thing is, t- they take uh, Logan's the Run words, have people have people dying? Right. Aside from the fact that it's people dying, is a fair amount of casual nudity in Logan's yeah. Run, which at two yeah, o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, he just a woman. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like. He's just, like, ordering a woman. He's like, yeah, just turn up to my room. Holographic yeah. woman. Whatever. <laughs> I'm like, hang on, it's, uh, it's what time? <laughs> <laughs> so SpongeBob is also on. <laughs> oh, well, we all know that's one giant acid trip of a TV show. Yes. Bikini Bottom, Utopia or Dystopia? Dystopia. What? <laughs> <laughs> Just it's see. supposed to be underneath bikini at all. I know, which explains the weird yeah. things that live down Sorry, there. Sorry, the movie with Hasselhoff in <laughs> where he's a speedboat. <laughs> yes, mm. <laughs> Hasselhoff should be in everything though. 
It's the Hoth. I'm Christopher Sabat, the voice of Vegeta, Piccolo, Yamcha, and a few others on Dragon Ball Z. And the Geek Show is over 9,000! Okay, Corey, I'm going to do a Twitter picture of everyone pulling a sexy face. <laughs> I, am, I am on Tumblr right now. <laughs> Right, okay, uh, we're in game section. Why are dystopias used so often in games while utopias are often sidelined? Conflict. Yes. Faceless mooks, that's what it is. It's so you can kill as many faceless mooks as possible. Yeah, if you have a corrupt government running things with stormtroopers and stuff, you've got things to kill. Yeah, and you don't generally, like, if you, if you, like, feel oppressed and generally, like, you know, crapped upon, you don't feel so bad killing, like... Thousands upon thousands yeah. of their hordes of bad guys. But there are some more like interesting versions of uh, you uh, dystopias in games as well. Like, for example, Bioshock. Yeah, yeah. That shows two different dystopian situations, both of which started with a noble idea. Actually, that failed. I, interestingly, I interesting you mentioned Bioshock because if, have you played Burial at Sea yet? Not yet. Because Burial at Sea takes place when Rapture was still. More of a utopia, right? No, see now for me, Rapture was never built on a. See, this is me being a religious oh, it was liberal. Bi- it was no, not it's, because I'm, it's built on a very liberal idea. It's yeah. not. It's built on a very republican idea. If you, it's built on Iron Rand's. Yeah, Iron Rand's rabid Atlas Falls. Atlas Falls. Yeah, it's not. It's it's very very not liberal. A man should a man should live on the sweat of his brow. Is not li- is is no. Well, not, what it's but what it's saying bit. is. Based on your own achievements and your own um, what you do, basically, and that's why he, he had all them scientists in yeah. rapture, and he had well, that, without lo- the laws and governments the, oppressing yeah, them. Yeah, but he also had like the 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 casual workers who like built rapture, who then couldn't escape and also couldn't find any work because there was no more to be built. I'm not saying it didn't it it definitely didn't work, but no, but but that's that's the concept of like rabid capitalism, and that's unfortunately. Not a noble concept. I, I agree with you on that. In his own mind, it was. Yeah, in his own mind. But the thing is, but uh, but here's the thing, right? What you're <laughs> what you're basically look what you're basically talking about here, uh, what you're basically getting at now, um, you're heading into the territory of how many people actually care, right? The uh, the entirety of Rapture might have been built on the back of what was effectively slave labor, but the people who lived there didn't actually care. You know, for them, it was a utopia, the, which is one of the things that's highlighted in Burial at Sea. Well, for a while it was. Until, for a while Until was, the fall. Until the fall. But for, that's one of the things that you see in Burial at Sea. Uh, for the people of Rapture, right, the people I, who live there, they didn't actually, they didn't actually care I read about the book. how it was built. I read the book mm. about the construction of Rapture. Mm. Um, I've got it at home. It's a fantastic novel if you can get hold of it. Yeah. Um, uh, and one of... Ryan's right hand men yeah. actually did care and helped his daughter and wife escape mm-hmm. because he did care yeah. and, and I'm not saying that that's the thing but it is individuals that do actually but there's but, a lot of uh, dystopias that tried to be utopias until yeah. the flaws are exposed yeah yeah. but I'm, I'm just saying that not all not all dystopias 
are born of noble intent. No. See, I actually have to disagree. I think that all dystopias are born of noble intent. No, because not all police states are born of noble intent. No, all well, police states are born of noble intent. I'd really? say that yeah. not all of them. All of them. Every single one of Every them. Every single one. thing is, what you class as noble intent is not the same as what other people class as noble intent. That's where that's where the difference so, is. Uh, no, because if someone just seizes power for the sake of having power, that's not noble intent. That's just, I want but power. But why have they seized power? I mean, this is the thing. Then you have to. Go, then you have to look at the context. If they, if they have basically seized power because the original government was corrupt, corrupt as hell, right? Then haven't they seized power for a noble co- for a noble cause to change the way the country? Nineteen eighty four. Then that I'm just going to quote nineteen eighty four at you because they seized power not because the last government was corrupt. Yeah. But not even because the last government was incompetent, yeah. but because there was a power vacuum or there was a perceived power vacuum and they could. They seized it through opportunity and not through any other noble intent. They seized it because they could and then they abused it. Okay. So I I really do disagree that all dystopias are set up upon noble intent because noble intent is is very, very subjective. But that's what I mean. You know, you, uh, when you look at 1984, because I've read it, I've read 1984 as well as just about everyone else in this room. But I also read um, an essay dissecting it from a few years ago um, from a uh, professor from Cambridge, and the way he looked at it, he said, "Look, one of the things that the book uh, that the book does portray very well is the whole dystopian society. But it's you know, it's the original context. Yes, they seized power, as you said, because they could, right?" But the intention of those who seized power wasn't simply, you know, he surmised that it wasn't simply that. It was because they thought they could do better. That was what he was surmising from it. I... <sighs> See, here's the thing. Bill Gates, right? Bill Gates could buy a country yes, if he wanted to, right? Yes, he could. Why doesn't he? Because he doesn't want to. Exactly. Because he doesn't think he can do better. But that's, that's the point. Maybe he know? already has. We just don't know. He might have done. We don't know. But that's my point. You know, not everybody seizes power for the same reasons. I just, I don't think that every police state, especially in games and computer games and things, can be assigned a moral choice. I agree with you on that. Which is why I hate the moral choice system in most games, because it doesn't have the third option of, I don't actually care. I think... Yeah, like, I guess that should be an option. Op- often you like get, like, Shadow, sort of, like... Where it's just, like, I want the KS Emeralds, go away. <laughs> well, often in things like... It's very obvious moral choices that you're faced with. It's like, save the orphans, burn the orphans. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> can I... I can never do that. I can never be the bad guy, because I'm always like, I really don't want to hurt the I tiny don't be the bad. Girls. I don't want to be the bad guy. I want to be the indifferent guy. <laughs> <laughs> I like being the bad guy. But this is the thing, you know, I'm sick and tired of being the good guy and I'm sick and tired of being the bad guy. I just want to be the indifferent guy who just, you know, lays out, uh, lays in the sun with a good book and a tinny, you know. (laughs) Rob the apathetic. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Why isn't there a game for me? So you'll be like, no, I don't fancy saving the world. I'm going to go to the pub over there. See you later. Bowser's kidnapped the the princess. Dystopia. Dystopia. I don't care. I I don't care. I'm Link for a change. I'm not bothered to go. You go save the princess. I'm just very careful to... To, to, to not Haru, try Haru. and assign like, moral, morality to all dystopias because I don't always think that they are set up with the best of intentions because there is always someone who just wants power for the sake of power. Yeah. Not, not because they think they can do better, not because they think they can do anything, 
but because they want it. Yeah, but those people are usually uh, usually assigned the task of, say, Grand Vizier or someone like that. They're the power behind the throne. Historic, uh, you know, in most no, in most in, fiction, in, in fiction, yeah. yeah, in most fiction, in reality, in reality, it's a different no. matter. <laughs> but you know, we're we're not talking reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's one of the reasons why uh, I lo- I love the line from Pratchett when he's ta- when uh, you know uh, he Rincewind meets Cohen. He's like, you know. Uh, put a pointy turban, uh, turban on them and they lose all their moral what's-his-name. <laughs> well, I was going to say that the, the situation in Mass Effect is close to being a utopia. Yes. The main conflict comes from an outside threat. Mm. Yeah. Yes, people, there's disagreement between races and stuff. But, but they the, solve it by talking to each other. Um, that's one of the reasons why I really liked Mass Effect because, you know, you were actually taking part in what was constructing a true utopia. um, Do you think without that outside threat that they'd be able to do that? I think think there would be conflicts along the way, little things though, you know, but I think uh, it's the the old uh, empire of a thousand years, you know, how do you how do you keep an empire? You keep expanding because the second you stop expanding, you know, your people will in on themselves. Exactly. That's one of the reasons why, you know, the British kept expanding and why, you know, Alexander kept expanding, why uh, why all of the, all of these empires just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger? I think it's it's important. I mean, I think any game where the the uh, the military plays such an important role in governance, I think that has to count as a dystopia. Yeah, I'll agree with you on that. Well, things like uh, yeah, Age of Empires, Call of Duty, Call of Command Duty. and Conqueror. Well, there's some obvious dystopias. Things like. Uh, Final Fantasy Seven. There's a power company that's became militarized. Yeah. <laughs> uh, System Shock. System yeah. Shock, prime example. I I will totally agree with you on that. I love System Shock. Well, it's a company, isn't it? Yeah. It's just essentially like the the world government collapsed, so a company bought it. Do you know? Do you know what uh, what really surprises me is how many uh, is all of the, uh, you know. There's loads and loads of people who uh, who love Bioshock who've never played System Shock I've 1 never, or 2. I've never played System Shock, but I know the plot lines. I've, yeah. I've read the... What is System Shock? System it's Shock. The, it's the spiritual predecessor to Bioshock. And it's it is. A, guys. They're fantastic games. Um, Shodan. It's a very... They're, they're, they're very impressive yeah. for what they were. And, yeah. Uh, I would recommend people play them. They I are. Mean, if they I mean, I can't get games. hold of copies. What if you didn't Gog. like Bioshock? Com. Would it be a bad choice to play them? Eh? If you didn't like Bioshock, would it be bad at playing? Uh, no, you might still like System Shock. Yeah, because I really hated Bioshock. It's a different gameplay system. Yeah, it is. It's uh, it's, it's first mm. it's first person, but you know it's a lot. Uh, I actually found System Shock a lot scarier than Bioshock. Yeah, you know, it was a lot creepier and a lot scarier. It was, you know, it's more space age than like. It's retro more science movies. fiction, yeah, like Dead Space. Yeah. It's more science fiction than steampunk. Yeah. Mm. So yeah. you might you might enjoy this more than the historical setting. Yeah, I see. Um, anyway, um, what's the difference then between a dystopia and a post-apocalyptic setting? Uh, the social governance of the, the the people, I suppose, is the key part of it. I mean, post-apocalyptic's just like, there's a tidal wave, there's an earthquake, there's billions and billions of aliens. Stuff happened. <laughs> so like, a dystopia is a bad situation because of... Like police, uh, corrupt government. Yeah, corrupt government. Um, yeah. Whereas a post-apocalypse situation is uh, a bad situation because of things outside of. It's yeah. It's yeah. like it's you know, like Fallout. There's no real government in Fallout, is there? No. So like that's just post-apocalypse. I've just realised something. Right? But like in the vault, 
that's a dystopia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've just realised something. Technically, we live in a dystopian society because, you know, all of us don't have a PS4 and an Xbox One. Well, technically, we live in a utopian society because people can no, get money when they're not in work and things like that. So we can't really, like... Um, we live in a society. <laughs> we are not a dystopia. We are not a utopia. We are a society. You know, our healthcare is free. Are, we are a, whether, whether, whether we're civilised is a different matter. We are a topia. <laughs> Atopia. We are not a dis or a you. We are a topia. Topiary. A fruitopia. <laughs> yes, we are a fruitopia. Oh God, no! Because now I've got to wear rainbows. <laughs> Still super hungry. I want to get hungry as we talk about food and fruits. Oh, uh, I want to see Rob in one of them like uh, hats <laughs> made of fruit. Um, so <laughs> I'm trying to think of the person who famously wore Ka- one. G- uh, Carmen Miranda. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Are you oh, saying God. I'm Carmen Miranda? Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, I think I'm it, not wearing that pineapple. <laughs> <laughs> Put it away, Dave. <laughs> this is odd. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, so, governance, back to... <laughs> okay. <laughs> back to the post-apocalypse. Um, yeah, I think it's just... It, it's it's a really important part of, like... Um, is it day sex? Yes. That's a dystopia. Definitely. Absolutely agree and with you on a that. Lot of, a lot of dystopias and utopias happen after a world-changing, like, apocalyptic, yeah. apocalyptic <laughs> yeah. event. But you've got to be clear on the distinction there. You can't have, like, just anarchy or it's a dystopia, because it's not. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have to agree with you. Okay. Um, uh I think we'll have to go with the pick of the geek uh, now. Uh, your top three settings, utopian and dystopian settings from games. Uh, well, System Shock, because it's the spiritual one, I think. Yeah. It's really, like, important to get that in there. Yeah. Um, I think... Paul. Okay. I, I yeah, it's think. not really clear when that's... It's, yeah. she, um, it's supposed to run concurrent to um, the Zen events at Black Mesa. Yeah. But so it's, it's only two. loosely implied yeah. that within the games itself. It's been Half-Life? confirmed by Steam. Half-Life. So. Yeah. Half-Life, isn't well, Half-Life, Half-Life more two. a post-apocalypse than... No, Half-Life 2. Half-Life 2, yeah. Two, Actually, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So I would agree, Half-Life, yeah. And even with Black Mesa like being the background thing mm. to the government, yeah, I would agree definitely with those two um, in play. I think. I think I would have to go with, um, well, obviously I'm going to go with Deus Ex first. Um, the original Deus Ex, that is, not mm-hmm. Human Revolution. Uh, that was just such an amazing game. Um, beneath, a steel, uh, beneath a Steel Sky, a game that you guys probably haven't heard of, one of the greatest uh, point-and-click uh, sci-fi steampunk adventures I have ever played. I'm going to go with the flash-forward Call of Duty, so, like, is yeah. it Blops 2 and all them? Because they're, like, they're popular, and they're also st- sort of getting a bit, like, on the realism element. Well, I am reviewing COD Ghosts on the PS4 today, yeah, so... Yeah, it's starting to get a bit, sort of, like, the Americans are just going to do what they want when they want, and, every, like, the rest of the world sort of you have might, a right you might like, to be a bit peeved. You might like <laughs> COD Ghosts, then, right? I've seen the plot. And I kind of agree that the rest of the world should get a bit annoyed at what the Americans were doing. I'd say America, uh, Me- Metal Gear Solid 2 and 4 
yeah. really tr- like step into that sort of uh, yeah. dystopian future. One was supposed to be fr- present day. Yeah. Two was present day, but there's a secret society running everything, but you don't know about. And naked Raiden. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and four is that secret society have now sort of stretched their uh, stretched their influence a bit to the whole world. Yes. Are they reptiles? That like can control the queen, supposedly a lizard. Yeah, so is David Cameron. What about you then, Chris? And the moon is hollow. I'm not a lizard. Top three dystopian or utopian settings and games. Epic scene, none of the above. <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> I chose to have an option. Okay. Now I generally don't really think of any off the top of my head. To be honest, that are worth talking about. Not even like Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Ooh. Hearts, like technically, it's a dystopia, isn't it? Because uh, uh, you know, uh, different worlds, really, isn't it? Yeah, but the, those different worlds are supposed to be like utopias. They're no, supposed them, to be their like own all different planets. Of aren't they? Yeah, they're supposed to be their own little bubbles of yeah. perfection. But when the heartless come in, you know, everything goes. And then the well. nobodies, and then all the other jibber jabber shows. Quit your jibber jabber. If you become heartless, you can become a nobody because Disney. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> and Final Fantasy Seven, <laughs> and. Sukadin. Oh, I'll agree with you on that one. Thank you very much. I will agree with you on Sukadin. Mm-hmm. Anyone else? I think most of the ones I was going to say have been said. <laughs> uh, Resident Evil? Isn't that no. most apocalyptic? There's one like... The umbrella yeah, that, that corporation umbrella basically cop? runs the world secretly. Yeah, like... Yeah. It doesn't just manufacture, like, mean, biological yeah. weapons. It yeah. actually was... They, like, run um, everything. They have their own little, like, city, and then, like, suddenly they run, like, everything. <laughs> and then everything is covered in zombies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's quite dystopian. <laughs> I will... I am fine with this. You point it out, and it makes sense to me. Um, Google Plus. Yeah, Google Plus. <laughs> no, Facebook. Facebook, given all of the things that Facebook are doing, including tracking your cursor. Yeah, suddenly yeah. I don't want Facebook. I regret everything that I ever liked on Facebook now because it comes back and haunts me by posting loads of rubbish. Yep. Hi, I'm Stuart Samita. I'm here at Animex all the way from California, and you are listening to The Geek Show. Today we are talking utopias and dystopias, but I believe we're at the reviews. Yes, we are. reviews. Uh, you're up first. <laughs> um, I'm up with Shangri-La Part 2 which I've only watched a few episodes of <laughs> but I enjoyed them as I did the first part um, the show continues on, on its uh, path it's a fairly decent uh, decent story arc um, what is a Shangri-La? Uh, what is a Shangri-La and how do I catch one? <laughs> <laughs> uh, again it fits in with the uh, utopian and dystopian... Sorry, I just thought a wild shangri has appeared. <laughs> yeah, um, it fits in with the uh, utopian-dystopian element of the show, actually. Very true. Um, uh, with it being a dystopian future. Ah. Environmental disaster, global warming, environmental hippie group trying to fight to get into the obelisk of yeah. the arc, housing. The arc, the arc wasn't it, or something like yeah, that? Yeah, something like that. I, I can't remember. <laughs> She's trying to get in with her giant boomerang. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. But, um, Is that an innuendo? No. No. Oh, right. um, she actually does have a giant boomerang. Again. <laughs> Sounds useful. Unfortunately, for the the animation is really. I mean, like the backgrounds and stuff are really well done. I mean, like the uh, the the uh, nature and element of the show is is 
fantastically animated. Uh, the backgrounds are gorgeous. Um, it's like with the uh, building in the background, it's really oppressive. It, it's always there, so you can. <laughs> Don't worry about him. <laughs> um, so you you really like. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So you you know it, it's always there. Um, she, she still suffers from that terrible case of dead eye. It's yeah. just really bad. Just I can't. It, it's now I've like I've drawn my own attention to it. So I'm like constantly looking at her eyes, going, "God, just it, express some emotion." Do you know what it, it reminds me of? It reminds me of Born a Titan from Toki Doki. You know, once it's seen, it can never be unseen. Oh yeah, yeah. What? I'll tell you about it later. Okay. Um, again, the outfits are risque at best. Yeah. Well, you've got your uh, yeah, your giant six foot seven transsexual. Yeah. I thought you were going to say breasts. She's I'm so wrong. Really attractive, but speaks like a man, and it's yeah. really confusing and jarring at times because it's like, okay, that's odd. Um, yeah. But again, I think it's just—it's it, obviously an artistic choice, and mm. and it's meant to be jarring, and mm. I understand that. And but they could have been a bit more tactful with it, I think, because obviously. You don't have to portray them that way. Yeah. But whatever. Um, what do you think of it overall as a I've story? Enjoyed it. I've, I've enjoyed the story so far. I mean, I've, I feel a bit sorry for the uh, soldier guy that she's always sort of just taking advantage of. Uh, but, yeah, I've, I've enjoyed the story so far. It got a bit weird with uh, the screaming, the yeah. screaming eight-year-old in the Bath of Doom. And you saw the prison episode, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a bit. Um, that that, was, it's a very that harsh quite, episode, but I'm glad they left it in. Yeah, because it, it's one of those things that could have easily been cut out. Yeah, but it, I'm glad it was left in. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's a good show so far, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of the series. Fantastic, right, Dave? Okay, which one do you want first? I think I might to fit in with the theme. I might uh, tell you all about Guilty Crown. Yeah, go with that one first. Okay. Uh, it's also set in a dystopian future, Tokyo of 2039. Yeah. There was a massive uh, disaster back in 2029 where a huge disease wiped out a lot of the population. And since then, it's been a police state run by a company called GHQ. So um, the setting is the main character joins a rebel group who were opposed to the ideals of GHQ yeah. and uh, set up a group called Funeral Parlour. Yeah. For reasons. <laughs> but the main thing is, it's a dystopian future. It's very much the, the plot of things like Ava. Your two main characters are Uma Shu, and he is the... Uh, the is the Shaw? Shaw. I think it's Shaw, yeah. Yeah, Shaw. He's the um, angsty boy of destiny. Oh, so he gains he's very angsty. He get he's very whiny to get uh, to begin with. He gets better uh, marginally. He gets better. <laughs> he said, well, "Look at my face." <laughs> what I was going to say was the other character, uh, the other main character, is the stoic girl of mystery. Oh God, yes. <laughs> which is another massive trope. You know, uh, people like Ray in Ava, yeah. uh, and uh, her name is Inori. She has no personality to start with. 
and that doesn't get better. No, it doesn't. Oh. Ever. See, he at least gets a little less whiny. She does not. But basically, the uh, the special power that uh, Shaw gets is um, he can pull weapons out of people. Right. Um, <laughs> basically, his right arm <laughs> has this crystally stuff, and he pulls something. It's like their soul or something like that that creates a weapon. Your spirit animal. <clears throat> Distance. Yes. No. It's it, like, it, it, it's it's a bit like Care Bears. It it's can only be done to people between the ages of about sixteen and twenty-four, something like that. Movie. I can't remember. It's it's a plot point in the show, but it's basically just young people it works with. Okay. And he pulls out a weapon. Like the enemy are mostly mechs. Okay. But his power is very bleach or soul eater kind of thing. Mm. You know that like I've pulled a twenty-foot sword out of this thing and I'll just slice through the battlefield with it. Yeah. The rest of them are quite realistic looking mechs so it's yeah very out of place but the art style and the presentation is very good in that the mechs are cg but look in place in the world yeah the um the character design is brilliant in that like they're very uh they have like unique silhouettes they're very visually appealing the characters themselves don't have much depth a lot of them have backstory, but it doesn't relate to what they do. Backstory is only as good as a character, I'm afraid. If your character's got no depth, then giving them <coughs> backstory doesn't add depth. Yeah, it's like they've given them a backstory in lieu of depth. <laughs> yeah. But oh. um, I'd say a lot of presentation went into it. The music's always great. The fight scenes always look very good. Uh, you don't quite understand why they're doing them sometimes. <laughs> oh, God, yes. But um, things like the hand-to-hand, the hand-to-hand fight sequences yeah. look good. Yeah. Um, the fight sequences between him and the mechs don't always work that well because he he doesn't generally fight them on an equal setting in that he will pull out, you know, some sort of, like, uh, bankai while they are trying to shoot him with a minigun. Yeah. It's so miss. Yeah. <laughs> so there's mech stormtroopers against a uh, guy with essentially magic powers. They give it like a biological reason for it. Yeah. But yeah. Um I'd say it's a bit of a mix in that the presentation's brilliant, the the music's great, the visually really nice. They've spent a lot of money on it, it looks great. Um I just wish they'd done it with a bit of a better story. Yeah. So in terms of the action, that's why I've I've given it about like a s- seven out of ten. I'd say things like Code Geese and Dead Man Wonderland do it better than what they do. But it is only the first part of the story you've seen so far. Yeah, it's only the yeah. first uh, thirteen episodes I've watched. Give it time. <clears throat> it could get better. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell anything. I'm not gonna give the game away because I reviewed the first. DVD in the part of the thing. Yeah. But uh, so far, it's quite cliche. But I would probably continue watching it because it, you can just watch it because it looks nice. It's got potential. It's easy on the eyes. Yeah. That's it, yeah. Right, anyway, um, before you do Deadfall Adventures, I'm going to do COD Ghosts on the PS4. Uh, Call of Duty Ghosts, yeah. It's an interesting addition to the franchise. Um, it opens with the dad telling a story about ghosts, soldiers, um, 
uh, you know, think the whole passive thermopylae, it's 15 versus 500, so to speak, or sorry, 50 versus 500, which is down to 15, and then one disappears with all the refugees and the 14 stay behind, and then they kill everybody, legends of ghosts, blah, blah, blah. Um, he's telling the story to his two sons before all hell breaks loose in their town. Uh, the scene shifts to 15 minutes earlier aboard a satellite uh, which is attached to a weapon called Odin. Um, Odin is one of these weapons. Basically, Odin is a non-nuclear weapon. Basically, drop these giant steel rods from space, um, and the acceleration causes massive, da- massive collateral damage, but no radiation fallout. Right, so the like equivalent of dropping a penny from the Empire State Building. Yeah, only on a much bigger scale. Wow, this um, sounds like something they yeah. should have. The Federation, uh, the uh, right um, now. The campaign mode is all, it's basically set in an alternate timeline, and this is one of the reasons why, when, it, when you mentioned COD earlier, I was saying you might like Call of Duty Ghosts. Set in an alternate timeline, and it involves a federation of oil rich South American nations um, that become rich on the back of uh, you know, nuclear war in the Middle East, and they've conquered the lower continent and are pushing their way north. They basically seize this satellite and fire Odin at major cities in the States. Ba- uh, basically, America is... Uh, it's not as bad as in, say, Red Dawn, but it is... Uh, you know, America is... Bro- uh, you know, it's effectively a broken nation. Perhaps America shouldn't have had that weapon. Yes, I agree with you. But anyway, this is just a story, so... <laughs> we'll stick with that. Um, the main campaign takes place ten years later, and initially it looks very similar to all of the other games in the COD franchise. But after a while, the story shifts to the South American jungle and to locales in South America, and it adds a tom- completely different dimension to uh, to the actual gameplay because normally you get like Middle East settings, Russian settings, that sort of thing mm-hmm. in COD. Now you've got all this lush jungle and stuff like that, and you know all the leaves getting in the way of your line of sight, stuff like that, and it's a much more challenging environment, especially if you're unfamiliar with that sort of thing. Um, there's uh, the main thing about ghosts though, is the customization right the ghosts has far more customization of just about everything than any other cod game um they they've replaced creator class with creator soldier and it actually offers something more akin to true character creation you know you can choose like uh, skin color and hairstyle and all these other things now as well um, weapons, armor, and items can be unlocked at any time. Now you don't have to wait to level up, um, or you know, to collect them th- at certain points in the campaign. You basically, if you have enough squad points, you can buy whichever assault rifle you want. You know, even you could go for the most powerful or most effective assault rifle. Could you cheap it through the game then, like by buying the best thing early, or you could you could cheap uh, cheap the game, but that would depend on you playing the multiplayer. Right, a lot. Right, if you play the multiplayer a lot, or if you play the squad base, uh, squad game a lot, and I'll get to the squads in a second. Um, anyway, um, the perk system is larger and now has eight slots instead of three, and it also uses a modified version of the pick ten system that was in uh, oh, I've forgotten was it COD four? Uh, no, uh, was it Black Ops? Uh, I've forgotten which one it was in. Uh, there's a new weapon class called Marksman, which is halfway between assault rifles and sniper rifles. It's a. It's actually my favourite weapon in the game right now. Is the marksman rifle because it, it's got the scope. You can basically do you know do the headshots from a distance, but it's got the power of an assault rifle as well. Um, so you don't need to swap weapons all the time. You can just fit a scope. So long, long and mid range, you're yeah, covered. Long and mid range, you're covered. Um, 
is a new mode called Create a Squad, which allows you to create 10 soldiers that can be individually customised and levelled up um, until you get to prestige level. And once you get to prestige, you get prestige level 1, but you don't lose everything from before. You keep it all. So you know it's a big di- it's a big step away from what was uh, what was go- what's gone before, and you can actually fight against other play- other players using your squad. You can have squad versus squad stuff like that, um, and you can get you know they c- you-, you can have your mates in your squad using your soldiers. Mm-hmm. So you'd all be sitting around your P- your PS4 or your Xbox One, and you'd be playing maybe a team in South America who are all sitting around theirs. Um, oh, so you can do uh, local animal and yeah. like. Um, yeah, is online there, multiplayer yeah. at the same time. Is there actual local multiplayer? Yes, um, there is local multiplayer, but it isn't. It, it, it's not as. It's actually uh, most of the focus has gone into multi, gone in, gone into online multiplayer. Local multiplayer is there, but it's limited. You know, um, some map areas now can be altered or destroyed in uh, in the multiplayer maps. And there's a number of old and new multiplayer game modes that have been added, and this is what I mean when I say you know the local multiplayer can be a bit limited because um, as far as I played it with local multiplayer, there was only a few of these options available for local multiplayer. Um, there's new game modes like Cranked, Blitz, Infected, Ground War. There's also uh, a new Extinction co-op mode um, with, uh, in which you fight against an alien threat. Uh, there's a host of new customization features. You can customize female characters, dynamic map events, tactical knee slides, all sorts of stuff like that. Um, graphically, it is much better than its predecessors or the PS3 version of this, right? Um, but aside from a few PS4 only additions, it's you know effectively the same game. Uh, it's easy to pick up and play for anyone who's familiar with the franchise or similar FPSs. Um, it's overall much better than its predecessors. I actually ha- do like. Call of Duty Ghosts, and I'm not a fan of uh, Call of Duty as a franchise, but I do like Call of Duty Ghosts. Um, I like the campaign. It's a, mm-hmm. it's it, the campaign actually appeals to me more than any other campaign in the COD franchise. Um, more thought has gone into the campaign, and more thought has gone into the customization. It's extremely, you know, it's very familiar, but it's also so different that it feels like you're playing a completely different game. You know, you if you didn't see the title, you could effectively go into this and think you were playing. Uh, you know, you wouldn't think you were playing Call of Duty until the title comes up twelve minutes in, saying Call of Duty. You know, um, it's and it's far more satisfying to play than Black Ops Two. Okay. Awesome. Um, I've reviewed uh, Deadfall Adventures. It's for the PC and Xbox 360. It was based on the novels of R. Ryder Haggard, and you play as the. Uh, the main character in his set of books, which is uh, James Quatermain, who is a descendant of the famous Alan Quatermain. Yep. Who was in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and other things. Yeah. But uh, it's basically... I've I've put it down as a shooter-stroke-puzzler. Yeah. Because it's sort of like a very Tomb Raider kind of setting uh, with occasionally kind of missed kind of puzzles. In it's from first-person... And you've got to rotate things around and stuff like that. And there's a shooter, uh, it's a shooting game. There's Nazis, monsters, and tombs and things. Um, personally, I'd say, as a shooter, it doesn't stand up very well. Hmm. The, um, the enemies, the animation looks a bit o- odd on them at times. The, um, they're always predictable. And your main problem with them is the fact they sponge bullets 
they take a lot of hits to take down and you will probably run out of ammo. And that's the main threat. Yeah. Rather that it's not like the last of us where you concern uh, conserve yeah. ammo. They're quite easy to to take down, but it just will take time and bullets. Almost as if they've tried to Do you not have any other ability. weapon options? You've got tons of weapon options, but basically because of your limited ammo, you're basically forced into using what they give you at the time. Ah. So if you have a favourite weapon, you will not be able to use it all the way through the game because there won't be ammo for it all the way through the game. Right, I see. So if you love using the shotgun, you'll probably, like, you'll have to be in an area where where enemies drop shotgun shells for you to get any use of it. Which sort of, um, yeah, as I say, it doesn't stand up that well as a shooter. Visually, looks very nice. They've obviously had a lot of talented artists work on the um, the environments. The animation isn't great. Um, I might it might be because I'm looking at it from yeah what I do, but yeah, they, they look a bit off. The cutscenes are a little bit awkward. There's a a weird um, cliche old adventure movie kind of dynamic going on between the two leads. Yeah, where um, she'll call him a pig. But she'll be sleeping with him by the end, kind so, of thing. Indiana Jones, basically. Pretty much, it, it does seem like they've went for an Indiana Jones kind of thing. The um, the puzzles can be fun, um, but overall, I'd say it's not not great. I've put down about four out of ten. It's it the the shooting bits are a bit painful to get through. The puzzles can be a bit unresponsive. Um, there's a bit where you have to shoot a rope to knock mm. down a bridge, and where you shoot to get that rope down, I have no idea. I was using a sniper shoot, sh- sniper thing and going for the point I thought it was. Eventually, I got it by shooting randomly in every direction up there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, and initially, I thought I was trying the wrong solution. Yeah. So I tried to do other things. And uh, the the helper character shouting at me that the rope is weak. The rope is weak. It's like, yeah, I've, I've shot the rope everywhere. Nothing helps. And then I just basically took out um, a semi-automatic and sprayed bullets, and it fell. When in doubt, shoot randomly. <laughs> but yeah, it's it doesn't really stand up well. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say it's the most terrible game of the year, but it's. Not a great one. It's not one I'd recommend picking up. There's far more out there that you could uh, spend your money on. There is multiplayer, but it does seem a bit tacked on at the end. Also, there's not really anything you can do with the multiplayer that's different. It seems like they went for a very golden eye approach to it. But, yeah, there's been so much more that's happened in terms of multiplayer shooting that's happened since GoldenEye that it really doesn't... Yeah, yeah. Doing a Golden Eye clone now <laughs> isn't there. Yeah. Wow, where were you ten years ago? Actually, the whole game is where were you ten years ago? It's very like on PS2. This might have stood up quite well. Yeah. But now, no. No, there's nothing. There's not really anything a hook to it. I'd say. All right. And okay. Visually, it looks yeah. nice. Speak- that's yeah. Nice little segue, because I do. Uh, we are going to end the review bit with Rise, Son of Rome. I will run through this quickly, though, because it is a short game. Uh, it's only about eight or nine hours long, depending on uh, how much time you dedicate to it. Uh, it's developed by Crytek, and as everyone knows, it has received a great deal of criticism. 
which I will get to at the end of this. QT um, events everywhere. No, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going off the E3 yeah. like just go speculations. Back, right, just just ignore what they've said. Right, I'll I'll, I'll tell uh, I'll get to that in a bit. Right, the game does look amazing. Detailed locations, fluid animation, great colours, great lightning effects, ex- some excellent water animation. Some of the best I've seen on a console so far. And you know, um, great character movements. There's great character animation in this. Um, it, it, the controls are fairly basic, and combat is more about timing and using your rolling dodge than button mashing, right? Um, there is a variation on the QTEs, on the quick time events. Um, originally, this was a Kinect game, and then after that, they moved on to the you know they moved on to the 360, then the Xbox One. And right. originally, the button presses were supposed to be uh, lettered. But, you know, people started kicking off about them being QTEs. So what yeah. they did, they color-coded them instead. Right? Okay. But it's still the same thing. You know, um, it is a variation on quick-time events. And they're prevalent in the game. You use color codes that highlight which button to press at a particular time in order to perform right, executions or throws and various things like that. Um, y is obviously yellow, X is blue, that sort of thing. Uh, there's lots of action, lots of gore, and detaching of limbs. And combat is generally divided into three categories, melee, range, or defense. All right? The game includes uh, command, uh, the defense mode. The game does actually include commanding the famous turtle shield formation against enemy archers, right? which is really fun. It is a lot of fun, that bit. Um, so when they do turn up, I just tend to save at the moment. You know, like I, I feel like a ro- proper Roman centurion now. Awesome. Um, there are some challenging boss fights. Um, players can ex- upgrade executions, focus, health, regen, uh, experience points, um, that sort of thing, by obtaining valor points, which you get from like executing, and you get like various other points in gold and stuff like that. The one thing I dislike about this is that you can actually buy gold. There is microtransactions within a single player game, and I don't like that because it's an obvious cop out as far as I'm concerned. Uh, focus mode is generally similar to bullet time from Max Payne. It allows you to kill several enemies before they can defend themselves by slowing time down. Um, now, obviously, there are connect voice commands with mm-hmm. this, right? Uh, which you don't need to use. You can just hold down the trigger button until the uh, bar fills up and it'll execute that command. But it can be fun when you're sitting there and you're going, Fire volley or archers cover me! You know, and just shouting it at the top of your voice at your at your TV. Until <laughs> someone walks in the room. And yeah, well, well, even when people walk in the room, they'll just give you a funny look and leave, <laughs> you know. Um, you know, these kind of, uh, the story begins with barbarians attacking Rome, and the, ironically enough, Rome at this point is very much a dystopia, right? Uh, Emperor Augustus Nero Germanicus believes that Damocles, uh, the mythical black centurion who punishes traitors to Rome, has come for him. Um, players take the role of Marius Titus and they're first tasked with protecting the Emperor by escorting him to the vault. Once there, Marius begins to tell the Emperor his story, which begins ten years before. Uh, The plot has all the hallmarks of a typical Roman revenge fest, but there are some nice touches of character development thrown in, which I think a lot of people have blatantly ignored, looking at all of you so-called critics out there, um, not that many people noticed that would not, uh, you know, paid attention to these things in the midst of all the violence and gore. Uh, the game has been called little more than an overblown tech demo filled with quick time events, but given that it follows a similar format to God of War, Devil May Cry, etc., 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 i.e., kill the enemies in the room before moving on, 
that may actually be an unfair perception. Mm. I think that all of the uh, all of these so-called critics, uh, yes, I am looking at specific people when I say that. I'm not going to mention any names, IGN. Um, mm. <laughs> right, I think that what, uh, the mistake that uh, everybody has made is in a, is in assuming that a new console means totally new gameplay mechanics. It doesn't. Well, not when the controls are the same. Exactly. Um, the game is short. It's only around eight hours long, as I said. Um, but overall, it's actually a surprisingly decent launch title that doesn't require much in the way of thought or skill. And to all of you out there who basically criticised it a bit too much, remember one thing. Remember the bouncer and quit your whining. The what? It was a PS... Three launch title. PS2 PS2. launch title. It was Square Enix. Uh, Square Enix never went back to do anything like that ever again. That's how bad the game was. It looked great. It played awful. And all of these people who criticised it, there are uh, critics. This is always... I don't buy anything at launch. I, I refuse point blank to buy anything Rise, at launch. Rise is a surprisingly decent title, and I don't understand why. I mean, if I was going to give this a score, I'd give it a six or seven out of ten. You know, mm-hmm. it's easily one of the better. Uh, one of the better launch titles to come out for a console, you know. Um, I think everyone's looking at Dead Rising Three, which I will be reviewing next week. Everyone's looking at that and going, "So why why can't Rise be some more like this?" I wouldn't. I'm looking at Dead Rising Three and going, "Why can't you be more like Dead Rising?" <laughs> you might be surprised, right? Um, hi, we've got an interview to play, haven't we? We have an animation section. <laughs> we don't. I don't think we got the time. So choose animation or interview. I think we need to play the interview. Interview. We got into a little bit of animation during our film section. Yes, this is true. Thanks to Chris. Hey. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, well, actually, we probably do have time for two minutes of animation. Well, play we'll the, just go for the, play interview, the interview first. first. All right. Okay. And then if and we then, do, we can. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is an interview that I did with uh, a woman called Jackie Lee Jaw from Skype. Um, so great. Uh, uh, she was very, very personable. Um, we were talking about, uh, you know, Skype and how they've tied in with Marvel for Capt- Captain America: Winter Soldier, Guardians of the Galaxy, Iron Man three, and Thor two: The Dark World. GPS um, is in Captain America, isn't it? GPS, GSP. Sorry, I think so. Yeah, George so, Perry. Yeah. Um, right. We'll be back after this. Hi everyone, this is Rob from The Geek Show and I'm speaking to Jackie Lee Joe from Skype and we're going to be talking about the new Thor movie, The Dark World, and how Skype got involved with Marvel. Hi Jackie, how are you doing? Great, thanks Rob. How are you? I'm okay. It's a bit nippy today outside. Britain is, oh, is uh, Britain's starting to move into the winter weather. Uh, we're in our 20s here in um, LA. I think it's going to be 27 by Wednesday. Ah, we're jealous already. <laughs> and I'm sure all of our listeners will be jealous of 27 degrees. I don't know what it is here in Britain. We complain about it when it's sunny, and we complain about it when it's too cold. We complain about the weather a lot here. I know, I know. But, you know, I love it. I love it. You know, I love four seasons, because I come from Australia, where there's really only two seasons. So I kind of appreciate the four seasons. Yeah. Right, uh... So tell me a little bit about yourself. How, do, how did you start working for Skype? So um, I started working for Skype actually consulting. I mean, my background is in telecommunications and actually in a lot of the transition work from voice to data services. Um, so I've worked previously at Orange and also at Virgin. 
So um, I walked in to consult firstly on a, uh, a project which was looking at really where entertainment and communications is starting to converge. Um, and in February this year, I really took on a full-time role with Skype and I head up both the entertainment marketing as well as the broadcast media area ah. at Skype. Mm. Ah, fantastic. So how did uh, Skype then get involved with Marvel? It's not the usual kind of collaboration that people would expect. You know, Skype has had a, a history both in television and film, really dating back since about 2007. Wow. So when video calling came on, we actually extended that um, capability into partnering with broadcasters around the world. And so we partner with a lot of um, huge news organizations around the world, CNN, you know, Al Jazeera, B-Sky-B, BBC, CBS, ABC, and just to name a few. And so we have a real history in kind of enabling and helping Skype-enabled interviews and content um, around the world and news organizations in the hundreds, really, around the world use us uh, every day. So we've always had a natural, uh, you know, history with television. And increasingly over the last few years, that is, uh, extended into film. So, in fact, we've been in quite a few films um, recently over the last few years. And, you know, Iron Man 3 was really the start of our relationship with Marvel. And what we were looking at was really taking, you know, what had started off as a uh, branded integration or product integration um, and to look at what we could really do across a broader, more strategic and longer term partnership with uh, the Marvel Group, and that's what we've, do we've done. In fact, Iron Man 3 was the start of a multi-film partnership with Marvel Entertainment. So it's not just Iron Man 3 and Thor The Dark Worlds that you're collaborating with Marvel on. It's also Captain America, The Winter Soldier, and Guardians of the Galaxy as well. That's right. We're looking at a four-film partnership you know, with Marvel Entertainment in general, and it does enable us to bring you know, the full capabilities of Skype into enabling that partnership. You know, so it might start with a product integration on the one end, but very quickly, you know, what we started to do, and we started it at Iron Man 3, was to start to look at how we can bring the excitement and action of the red carpet into simultaneous premieres. And the first one that we did was actually with the Lewis McCord base in Washington State, where we looked at hooking up the everyday heroes, uh, you know, that were sitting in the base. Uh, with the action and the excitement of what was going on at El Capitan for the LA premiere. And we bring families together, you know, at that point. We had, you know, people at the base that had families here in LA that got to see them via Skype. We had everyone from Robbie Downey Jr. through to Stanley, you know, all having conversations uh, with the soldiers sitting there. And then they had a simultaneous premiere. So that's a very exciting dimension. From Marvel, and we've brought that this time around, you know, with uh, Thor the Dark World into the Children's Hospital at Los Angeles. So we will be decking it out, um, a section of the hospital to look like uh, the planet Asgard. Um, and we will be having, you know, a uh, character um, from Thor come out and have a chat with them. And then we will connect up the red carpets um, activities and enable people like Chris, you know, or Kevin Feige to actually have conversations with the children. Um, at the hospital, and then they'll have a simultaneous premiere. So there's a lot of really interesting production things we can do. We also support 
you know, the global press foreign tours that they do. So if they need to Skype in journalists, if they need to conduct interviews, um, you know, with people that can't be there or with cast members that can't be there, we can enable that to happen. And then we do, uh, of course, increasingly and are increasingly as we get into the films, looking at how to provide access and participation for fans, you know, with their stars, starting as we did with this film with the ability to be able to send video messages, you know, to the cast and crew, and then increasingly to look at how we can put avatars, you know, what we can do with, uh, you know, video gallery and how we can get behind the scenes content uh, out to the fans. That sounds pretty amazing. Uh, To be honest, the thing that our listeners would literally fall over themselves for is the video message for a member of the cast, especially Tom Hiddleston. Chris Hemsworth, we love him, but Tom Hiddleston, for some reason, I don't know why, he's captured the imagination of geeks everywhere. Uh, I love Tom Hiddleston. He's my favourite. Um, <laughs> and, and, in fact, we are looking through the thousands of messages that we received for him right now and, um, and getting ready to release uh, the answers. In fact, they will be released on Tuesday. That sounds awesome. <laughs> Getting some weird feedback there. Um, you mentioned earlier that you have all uh, loads and loads of connections with news uh, services around the world, BBC, NBC, ABC, CNN, yep. the rest of them. Yep. But one thing that I did notice was the Skype moments, and that part of Skype fascinates me. Tell me more about Skype moments. So we have a lot of advocates that use Skype around the world uh, every day, and what we do is actively... Um, you know, have a relationship and a dialogue with uh, those key Skypers around the world. And depending on what activity we're doing, and, you know, sometimes when we're looking at, at a deal with, with, a Marvel, uh, with a Marvel or a film deal, <clears throat> we will engage, I suppose, those active audience members of our base that are, you know, most involved or interested in film. And, uh, you know, we will get them involved in the latest development that we're doing. You know, um, the new kind of partnership that I'm entering into right now is actually probably not with your demographic, but with um, Victoria Beckham. And similarly, what we'll be looking at is, you know, Skypers from around the world that are actively engaged in fashion and and really using Skype to start their own creative collaborations. Uh, And we work with them and we, we, you know, pull in a lot of their stories and a lot of the content that they're generating, a lot of the designs and a lot of the work that they're doing. Um, And, you know, we we pull them into having some of the conversations that we will be having maybe with Victoria and her team. You know, in the case of, you know, um, moment makers as relates to the film, we'll bring them into a lot of the community um, and a lot of the engagements that we've got in film. We have the same for TED. You know, we actively engage the moment makers and anybody that has an involvement in TED uh, into what we we call TED conversations um, that we were doing for TED Global that we're about to do for TED in Vancouver in 2014. Um, and we kind of actively get the population involved. So we're actively involved with our community, um, and we love them to get involved in everything that we're we're doing around the world. One of the things that I noticed was the short films that were being made using Skype moments. Yeah. So we, we do a lot of activity where we kind of pull out and, um, and, and use the community who have really amazing stories. <clears throat> and we we pull that into you know the conversation more or less and you know Scott, Skype's big 
um, emphasis and focus is on storytelling. And we don't have to look very far for amazing stories. You know, anytime you have a conversation with somebody about you working for Skype, you get really amazing, kind of very rich, you know, emotional stories uh, in all that that instance. And if, you know, our moment makers are are happy to tell uh, those stories and we're happy to kind of engage with them um, and, uh, and kind of bring them to life. That's amazing. I, I've watched a couple of the short films, but the first one I saw was the one called Polly. That's on the Skype Moments website. Yeah. And I was amazed at the quality of not just the story, but also the production. Um, yeah. You know, the collaboration through Skype, you know, it astounded me, the level of dedication it must have taken. And the fact that they got these guys who made the film got together through Skype, that's even more astounding because it's a lot of people don't normally associate Skype with that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think, you know, increasingly the important role that Skype plays in small creative collaborations is something that we are going to be celebrating. You know, it's a really amazing thing just how many small endeavours, creative endeavours, you know, start on Skype and, and basically are populated and kind of um, grow um, via Skype. And uh, those collaborations truly are inspirational. Um, and we really do want to bring them to life. And, you know, we do bring importance to storytelling and quality of um, production of storytelling uh, to the fore in that respect as well. Fantastic. Just one final question then. You're collaborating on four movies with Marvel. Are there any plans to collaborate on any future Marvel movies or maybe DC movies? Yes, potentially. You know, we have um, relationships with all the studios, so we have always, um, you know, worked in and out of of different film elements with different studios. I think what's been interesting about Marvel and the red carpet activity is that a lot of studios have actually looked at it um, and thought of it as quite a unique way of really engaging a wider audience. Um, There's certainly a lot of interest um, in it out there. But uh, we love the relationship with Marvel. It's, it's um, you know, being good. We're only in film number two now. Um, we certainly see ourselves, and I think Marvel see themselves as extending this relationship out um, as and when uh, we get to that point. Fantastic. Thank you for speaking to us today, Jackie. It's been a pleasure, an absolute pleasure talking to you. To all of our listeners, if you haven't looked at Skype Moments, get yourself onto the Skype website, look for the Moments part, It is fascinating the amount of stuff that you can do just using Skype. Thank you again, Jackie. Thank you very much, Rob. I appreciate it. Take care. Take care. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. That was Jackie Lee Joe from Skype. Um, I had the pleasure of talking to her. We do have more interviews lined up for Mm. the coming weeks and months. I am going to be interviewing Reef Entertainment next week, um, which is going to be a good one. Uh, talking about the new Rambo game and the history of of Reef. Um, And yes, I know. um, We are unfortunately at the end of the show. Um, We are going to be playing you out with a bit of Huey Lewis in the news with Back in Time. What are we talking about next week? I have no idea. I think we're doing something that Rob's written, but I don't know what it is. I thought it was racing or something. No, no, no. We're not doing racing. He dug his heels in. I don't know. Next week's show will be a mystery to all, including us. Yes. And I'll be back the week after. Especially us at this point. Especially us. Um, Right, just a quick reminder. Our next quiz is December the 11th, 
starting at you know Doz will be at seven o'clock. Quiz will start at around seven thirty. Hopefully, we won't have the same mishaps as before. No, you know, it's still a learning curve. We're only on our third quiz, but uh, you know we're getting much better. I think we've wiped out some they, of the They've problems. got me on board, so now they've got a headmistress to run them, so it's fine. So we stop winning the quizzes. Yeah, uh, she hasn't won one yet. Oh well. I <laughs> well, to be honest, I thought she would have. I won your very you first quiz. Second. Yes, you did. Still not first. <laughs> yes, you, yes, you did. I like the smug I look on your face. Yeah, well. I, that's like, why I'm not allowed to compete fast. anymore. Uh, yes. Anyway, yeah. <sighs> Where was I? We have been the Geek Show. I've been Rob. I've been Chris. I've been Nat. I'm usually Dave, and I've continued to be Dave <laughs> consistently. <laughs> right, we'll see you all next week. Take Peace care and good luck. And, uh, yeah, have fun. Laters. For over 28 years, Aflac has been a champion, donating over $168 million to fight pediatric cancer and blood disorders, including sickle cell disease. This December, Aflac proudly joins 97.1 Wash FM and Children's National Hospital for the annual Wash for Kids Radiothon. Mark your calendars for December 14th and 15th for a heartwarming 14-hour live broadcast where you can join Aflac in their efforts to support the miracle work happening at Children's National. Save the date, tune in, and be a part of something extraordinary with Aflac.